0: thanks Tony for praying I'll I'll just start by praying as well Lord may you speak with each of us this morning through your word may we hear your voice and may we take in your words Lord in Jesus name Amen so when was the last time you stood in front of the mirror looked at yourself with kindness and non-judgment. For 30 seconds or so, dwelling on the good things about yourself on the inside and on the outside, and looked deep into your own eyes and said aloud, I love you. So I'm guessing, for most of us, the answer is probably never, and also no thanks, that would be weird. But I spent a good chunk of this week wallowing up to my neck in Christian self-love, self-help type books, articles, blog pieces. And you'd be surprised how many of them have encouraged me to look myself in the eye and speak words of love. But be honest, I've struggled with this And a lot of what I've read, firstly, because I'm British and I'm a fully zipped up member of the Self-Deprecation Society. Secondly, because I'm a little bit too cynical for the lashings of cheese that tend to be served with this kind of self-love, self-help advice. And lastly, because deep down, I've been wrestling with the idea of loving myself pretty much for as long as I can remember. When we look at the verses we've been studying for the first half of our Refreshing the Foundations series that Sue just read to us from Matthew, we see that when Jesus is asked what's the greatest commandment, he says the first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with absolutely everything you've got. All of you. And the second is to love our neighbour as ourselves. We need to notice here that Jesus said the second commandment is to love our neighbour as ourselves. He didn't say the second and third commandments are to love our neighbour and to love ourselves. Loving our neighbour as ourselves is one commandment. Loving God is a command, yeah? Yeah, I can get behind that one, definitely. Loving our neighbour is a command. Yeah, again, pretty happy with that one. I mean, sometimes I find it easier than others, I've got to be honest, but yeah, I can get behind that one. Loving ourselves as part of the same command, that's a bit more tricky. And actually, the idea of loving ourselves can feel a bit confusing, partly because we're taught from a really young age, from from our caregivers and from the Bible, not to be arrogant or boastful or selfish and really easy to interpret these things as, well, I mustn't love myself too much and end up not loving ourselves much at all. And partly because we live in a world which values and celebrates outward displays of beauty and wealth, far more than kindness compassion and patience. In our comparison culture, it's hard not to look enviously at others critically at ourselves. For some of us, self-esteem, self-worth, self-love might be big parts of a daily struggle to live well and to live healthily as ourselves. For others, these topics might be an annoying modern-day obsession and why can't we just go back to talking about the weather? And for others might not even really be something that's popped up on the radar. But whatever our starting point this morning, my hope is that we can all learn something of God and how he loves us and also how we are called to love others and ourselves. Because this stuff is relevant. A recent study of more than 3,000 adolescent girls showed that 7 out of 10 of them believed they weren't good enough they felt they're not measuring up in terms of their appearance, their academic performance, their personal relationships. The same study showed that 75% of girls with low self-esteem have engaged in negative activities such as disordered eating, cutting, bullying, smoking or drinking when they're feeling bad about themselves. But it isn't just young women wrestling with serious self-esteem issues. Another recent study found that there's no significant difference between men's and women's self-esteem, either during adolescence or adulthood. So, in a nutshell, the vast majority of us, whatever our age and stage, are struggling to fully love ourselves on the outside and on the inside. And this can manifest in a multitude of ways, not only the more obvious signs like self-harm or disordered eating. The ways we talk to and about ourselves are in a voice, and the words we apply to ourselves are a real litmus test for our feelings about ourselves. And if we've had a childhood or even an adulthood full of voices of teachers or parents or colleagues or peers telling us we're stupid, worthless, unwanted... disappointment fat, ugly, specky sad we can start to believe these things really easily because no matter how many lovely people say nice things about us, for some reason compliments tend to slip right out of our brains like a fried egg slipping straight out of a really good pan but the criticisms stick like Wemmick stickers and they weigh us down and when they stick they burrow their way into our thinking and then what does our inner voice start to say I'm stupid I'm worthless I'm embarrassing I'm unwanted, I'm a failure I'm just not good enough and obviously these are all big crashing wave statements our inner voice might be quieter Less dramatic, but no less impactful, with steady little drips of, oh, why did I say that? Or, I haven't worn this. Or, how could I forget that? Or, I bet they all just think I'm silly. And we end up saying things to ourselves that we'd never dream of saying to other people. Think about it. If we drop a plate and it smashes on the floor, how quickly and instinctively do we blame ourselves? Use words like idiot, clumsy, get cross. Yet if a friend or a child or a loved one drops a plate, how quickly and instinctively we comfort them and say, it's okay, accidents happen, give them a cuddle. Because it can be so much easier to be kind to others than it is to be kind to ourselves. And... Instead of spending 30 seconds in front of a mirror spouting affirmations in the morning, it can sometimes end up feeling like we live our whole lives stood in front of one of those wobbly fairground mirrors. It doesn't only emphasize our wide hips and short legs and ridiculously tiny head, obviously, insert your own physical insecurities here, but it also magnifies the things we struggle with on the inside, too our uncharitable or dishonest thoughts, our Slightly muddy motivations, our faults, our failures, our foibles. And it can be really hard to see far enough past these things to be able to authentically love ourselves. In the same way as we love our neighbours. But being a good and obedient reader and in an act of self-sacrifice to my church, this morning I did actually stand fully clothed, I might add, before I cut any of you off this sermon series for good, in front of our bathroom mirror for the required 30 seconds. And I gave it my best shot. It was awkward. And it was really, really weird. And to be honest, I still don't see how it's helpful for anything other than spurring me on to clean the mirror and get a haircut. Because actually... A few words in a mirror is like a sticking plaster over a compound fracture. It's just not going to do the job, is it? What we need to know is what does God say about this? What does God say about us? What does Jesus actually mean when he says we're to love ourselves as we love our neighbours? During this week, two passages have kept coming back to me. The first is Exodus 34, 5 to 7. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love a thousand generations I forgive iniquity rebellion and sin wow that's love that's the love God lavishes on us compassionate gracious, slow to anger full of faithfulness and love for us it never fails and the other passage is 1 Corinthians 134 8 a.k.a. the wedding reading. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Can you see that these two passages are woven with very similar threads? Compassionate, slow to anger, forgiving, full of love that never fails. One of the things that jumps out of the 1 Corinthians passage is that love for Paul is not just the swoony subject of the Valentine's Day card. Rather, love is a collection of intentional actions. The trouble is, most English translations fail to capture this active quality, this dewiness of Paul's wording, and instead uses adjectives or describing words, so love is patient, love is kind. It might be better translated along the lines of love waits patiently. Love acts kindly. And you might be thinking, I don't know, come on Ali, it's a bit pedantic, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah, kind of is a little bit. But also it does make quite a difference to how we think about these things. Because the love Paul is describing takes action. It's not just a passive feeling about someone else, or ourselves. And changing our behaviours and our actions towards ourselves is a critical first step on the road to changing how we feel about ourselves. This kind of active love is a choice, or more like a continuous series of choices, rather than an emotional response. Donald Hagner describes the love we're called to have for our neighbours and ourselves as a series of actions with their good and their well-being, their fulfilment, as the primary motivation and goal. Such love is constant and takes no regard of the perceived merit or worth of the other person or ourselves. I find that last sentence particularly helpful. Such love is constant and takes no regard of the perceived merit or worth of the person being loved. So let's imagine, for example, I'm having a really rubbish day and I just keep making mistake after mistake after mistake. If I responded to myself emotionally, I might feel proper cross with myself, ashamed of myself, start telling myself I'm stupid or useless or a failure and it's really, really easy to slip into these thought patterns, especially on a bad day. But if we take on board Jesus' words in Matthew and Paul's love is a verb wording in our Corinthians passage, we can hopefully start to make better choices and intentionally exercise patience towards ourselves. Act kindly, Towards ourselves. Choose not to be angry with ourselves. Forgive ourselves. So understanding biblical love for ourselves and others as an active choice, rather than an emotional response, is helpful. I'm pretty sure most of us will still find it easier to show this kind of love to others, rather than to ourselves. So what is it that holds us back? It would be easy to blame the way words and actions of others stick to us. Or the present cultural obsession with comparison and envy. actually, the more I think about it, the more I believe these are all symptoms of the problem, not the problem itself. I'm increasingly convinced that the real problem, we don't know, really, really know, deep down believe our worth in God's eyes. And actually, it's not my words we need to hear about this. It's God's. So I'm going to spend some time now reading out some of God's words of love for each of you. And this isn't proof texting or cherry picking. This is a solid seam of precious gold running through the entire Bible we're going to start at the beginning and follow the scene through the Bible and invite you to open your heart and your mind maybe close your eyes and listen and believe God says to you this morning you were created in my image Genesis 1 27 to 31. So God created humans in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God saw everything he had made. And indeed, it was very good. God says to you this morning when you turn to me, you are forgiven. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You are understood. Psalm 139, 1-2. One to two. You have looked deep into my heart, Lord, and you know all about me. You know when I'm resting or when I'm working. From heaven, you discover my thoughts. You were carefully and lovingly made. Psalm 139, 13 to 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God says to you this morning, You are precious. Isaiah 43, verse 4 You are precious in my sight and honoured. And I love you. You are a delight. Zechariah 3:17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He takes great delight in you. In His love, He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God says to you this morning, you are deeply loved. Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you follow Jesus, you are free. Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. When you believe in his name, you are a child of God. 1 John 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Amen. As I finish this morning, I'm going to be really candid with you. I think to tell you something I've struggled with most of my life. Self-esteem, self-confidence, self-worth, self-pretty much anything, to be honest. has never quite come naturally me, my default position seems to be standing in front of the fairground mirror, noticing every flaw. For some of us, we struggle with our outward appearance. For others, it's what's inside that plagues our thoughts. And for others, still, it's just pretty much everything. So it's hard, this stuff. It's really, really important. Jesus commands us to love others and ourselves, to make those deliberate decisions. To show ourselves the same patience, kindness and forgiveness we show others and God shows us. And we can start to do this by learning more about God's incredible, unfathomable, unending love for each of us. Because the truth is that God loved us and saved us from our sin. He didn't save us from our sins so he could love us. While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And if God, the holy and almighty Lord of all, says we're worth loving, who are we to argue? I'm going to end by reading a poem, because of course I am. And if poetry isn't for you, that's fine. We are all uniquely and wonderfully made. Just let the words wash over you. While you ponder some of the things we talked about this morning, I'm going to stand because poetry needs legs. This poem is called Deeper Than Skin. I looked in the mirror this morning, and the mirror looked back at me. She said, Look at the state of you. You've really let yourself go, and nowhere pretty you go out looking like that, everyone will see what you try to hide inside. You're greedy, you're lazy, you're worthless. I heard the mirror, my old foe, and I hung my head again. She and her fellow bully, accidental shop window glance, never seem to miss the chance to cut me with their judgment. And wound me. With their burrowing words. I've heard it all before. Of course. Her words are as old as my thoughts. In childhood. She silenced me. In my teens. She starved me. In motherhood. She shamed me. And in my middle ages. She still collects her wages. With the same old words. If. You had bigger eyes, smaller thighs, plumper lips, slimmer hips, straighter hair, but no hair there and no pimples or wrinkles or freckles or dimples. You'd be happier, better, liked, loved. And it's hard to cultivate a well-adjusted mental state when mannequins all wear size 8 and congratulations validate weight loss as a win. Look at you. You're so thin. Well done. And it's hard to ignore, to disregard or pacify when every day I feel as if my body is my enemy, a fully separate entity existing as a cell around the real me and I'm weak and I'm tired and I'm trapped inside. But if I listen... Stop all the chatter and really listen. I hear a different voice. Louder, clearer, so much dearer, saying, child, my child, come closer, draw nearer. These are my words. I know you. I've searched you. I know you in your resting. I know you in your bustling. Before you speak, I know your words. I even know the quietness and the unquietness of your thoughts. I know you. These are my words. I'm here. I'm with you. All around you. My guiding hand grounds you. And even when you turn away and squirrel in the dark, I'm still holding you. I'm here. These are my words. I made you. You are my creation. I knit you together carefully, beautifully, fearfully, wonderfully, with just the right strands to make you You are my creation. I made you. These are my words. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the Holy One, the Creator God. I created you in my image. I created you whole not as a collection of lumps and bumps and gristly bits wrapped around yourself. I created you whole in my image. In my image, I am the Lord. I looked in the mirror this morning and the mirror looked back at me. I heard her words, her barbs, her lies, I hung my head. I closed my eyes. Then I stopped. I stopped. I bowed my head and I listened to him. I listened and his words sank deeper than skin.